Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Set Your Expectations. This is the show that covers different careers and aspects of life each episode with a different guest. My name is Joe Gerger, and I'm your host. I am always joined by my co-host, Josh. Josh, who are you introducing for us today? Well, Joe, today we have Erin Greppi. Now, Erin is a graduate assistant, um, and that means that she uh, essentially is doing a bunch of nonsense that she (laughs) doesn't want to be doing so that the school (laughs) she goes to pays for her tuition. Um, she is in her master's or is, is been work, working on her PhD or she wants to work on her PhD. Um, but she, she spoke to us about how difficult PhD, um, work is, how difficult acceptance rates are. Uh, it was something like, it was atrocious. Like 25% of PhD candidates actually get in a job. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you become a doctor and you, it takes that long to get a job. Um, she spoke to us about her work with the university press at the school she works at, uh, doing uh, work for historic journals, which I thought was super cool. Uh, she knows all this, like, she now has a head full of, like, crazy Toledo trivia or, like, mm-hmm. about the area, like, things that happened in the past year, which I think is really cool. Um, honestly, I mean, Erin's one of the smartest people that we ever sat down with, and she's been that way since we've met her, <laughs> you know, since we were kids, but um, she's just, she's brilliant, and she had a lot to say, and I, I love this episode. Yeah, it's a it's a great episode. There's so much information in it that's hard to take it all in just uh, just from listening once. So. Yeah, I feel like I had to listen to it again to really understand. <laughs> some <laughs> and of the stuff. even now, I feel like there's so much delivered that even now there's stuff that I haven't gleaned yet. Uh, so hopefully, you guys uh, listen up, pay attention, and uh, enjoy. graduate assistant okay can you can you break that down for me because I'm sure like a lot of people I don't quite understand what that means so basically graduate assistantships you get your tuition paid for you typically get a small stipend to live off of in exchange for doing all of your coursework plus about 20 hours a week for the university okay um what do you feel like it's a fair amount Um, There's a lot of debate about that. Uh, There's graduate student unions that are forming across the country, just like labor unions would form. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for teaching assistantships, which most schools offer, it's typically a lot more than 20 hours a week for work. Um, You're responsible for teaching independent courses, doing all the grading, or doing all the grading and everything else for another instructor if you're assisting. Hmm. What What does it mean to you, what you do exactly? Um, basically, I get to read and write stuff all day for free. <laughs> um, I get my school paid for. I get a, a small chunk of change every couple of weeks, but I get to read stuff and say what I want about it and do research How all day. How do you love that? It's I, really great. I want to say because, like, watching your shoulders go up a little bit <laughs> and you take this excited breath before you talked about reading and writing. Yeah. Like, I, I love seeing that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's really great. There's... There's kind of a divide in academia between people who love to teach and people who love to do the research. Um, So, I mean, you hear that with hard sciences, right, with the Mm -hmm. research institutions versus teaching institutions. With the humanities, it's a little different because there isn't enough groundbreaking research that we do, right? Like writing an academic paper for an English department is not the same thing as finding cures for diseases. Right. But there is still a divide. You're still expected to publish, and you're still expected to contribute to the scholarly field. Okay. What kind of a contribution, uh, what level of contribution do you feel like you have? 
Um, right now it's very small. Okay. Um, typically for a PhD program, which lasts anywhere between six to eight years, you're expected to write two academic papers that'll get published in a scholarly journal. For a master's program, it's a little different. So, so far I've, I have been lucky enough, one of my papers was chosen for a graduate student conference at UCLA. So just in my department with my cohort, I've made a smaller contribution than my other students, but it's still, it's, it's still a graduate conference. It's not, okay. not anything major. Do you, how do you feel like, what, what do you wanna do to be able to contribute on the level that you want? Like what kind of steps would that take from you? Uh, it's a disgusting amount of work. Um, <laughs> so during your doctorate program, you're obviously expected to write a dissertation. Right? Mm. And then when you get your first job out of that, if that's a tenure track position, you're expected within five years to turn that dissertation into a book. Oh. In addition to publishing regularly in academic journals. The problem with that is you don't get paid for those contributions. It takes about a year for that submission to actually get approved and then published. So it's a lot of work that you do for a really long time for a future payout. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is just expected work. And like, I guess on a long, like a long-term scale, like you think like this is worth it, but I, I mean, every night I'm sure that hits you. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really terrifying uh -huh. um, because even after all of that, you may not get tenure. Because, and the thing is, too, like, not only that, but it's such a big thought. Like, it is such a big thought. You think about, like, where you come from, like, um, how you've grown to get there, and now you're, like, you have to measure up. Right. Like, that's huge, and it's a lot of pressure, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, it was really scary at the beginning of my program to think that I'm expected to write 20-page papers for three courses every semester. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh my God, how am I ever going to find enough to say about a short story to stretch it out into 20 pages? And I'm sure my professors are gonna see through all of the bull that I'm just filling in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, See, I feel like, depending on the subject, I feel like 20 pages come so easy for me, no, but that's just because the, I spill. Here's the thing, it's because people like you are the reason that like, people who interpret literature are so long-winded it's people like you because it's just like you have to wax poetic about everything so that's why, that's why the people who like interpret like it's like well i believe that the art the author was looking for you like oh my god please stop because all you're going to say is a bunch of stuff that they need to be like well and maybe maybe because i don't know because i don't really know that guy you know it's like well okay but i think that's the point of interpretation talk. yeah well yeah exactly but that's that's the joy of it i think is that a lot of times i think People like you just talking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, you know it's the truth. Well, there's people in the field that do that too. <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah, I bet. What what's the uh, amount of people like that that fail? Um, a, a lot. Um, so for some of the academic journals, they'll get you know hundreds of submissions a year, mm -hmm. and they only publish six scholarly articles. Ooh. Oh, um, I mean, I know what it's like just to have entered short story contests, and that has to be like a like minute on the scale. Of what yeah, of like okay, putting your life's yeah. work into a paper and then yeah. being like, mm, yeah, no. yeah, and apparently they're really harsh with the criticism that they give back. Oh man, they're not even oh. nice. Like, they, oh no, it's like we're gonna kick you while you're down. <laughs> not even a little nice, and then spit in your eye. <laughs> I think no. for good reason though probably yeah. I think they have good intentions behind it they want to they want to build you too yeah it's um it's really it's it's 
harsh feedback for people that aren't necessarily ready for it. Mm -hmm. So for our program, um, it's a two years master program and our professors told us not to even submit to any academic journals because we wouldn't be able to handle the criticism that we get back. Wow. Holy crap. When you get a warning like that from a professor, it's just like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to do that then. Like, Yeah. Um, it's, it's really scary. Uh, but I, I kind of have a screw it approach. It, it won't get published either way if I don't send it out. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you may, and no matter what happens from it, that experience builds you too. Right, and they don't know me from anybody else. It's usually anonymous submissions. So yeah, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> they could just think it's total crap, and then I submit something next year, and they love it. Oh they God, wouldn't know anyway. Oh, so they never get to see that it's yours. And almost all of them are blind submissions. Yeah. That, well, that's gotta feel a little bit better. I mean, that's gotta feel. It uh, helps. <laughs> at least with, like, give you a sense of comfort. probably the reason they're blind. So that way it's just like, oh, I'm going to pick this person apart again. Like, I mean, yeah, because right. I imagine people get that and they can't handle it and they back out. Probably. Oh, yeah. Um, doctorate programs have a 50% attrition rate. So half Ooh. of the students that start don't Holy complete their PhD. shit. That's a lot of money. And less than half of them get jobs can, when they graduate. Can we talk that's about... So that's a quarter of PhD students yeah get Getting anywhere jobs. get anywhere with, with what they wanted yeah phd wow. students oh yeah we're talking the that's, top that is the top of the totem pole yeah yeah they have to call oh. you doctor after that so let's, like it's as high as it goes let's talk about tuition oh yeah um what does that take well the good thing about doctorate programs because you're expected to do some kind of assistantship i mean our professor straight up told us do not go to any school that does not offer funding um, okay. Are we talking full funding? Full funding, yeah. So I started a spreadsheet. I'm going to be applying for fall 2019 admission. Um, so all of those applications would be due in December. I have a list of about 60 schools that are the, the mid-range schools. So starting at like rank number 30 in the U.S. News reports down to rank number 100. Um, all of them so far have offered funding. So it's full tuition. Almost all of them offer health insurance that's completely paid for by the university. Mm. And then typically the stipends are anywhere between like $12,000 and $20,000 for the academic year to live off of. Okay, so enough to be uh, working poor. Yes, yes. Right right above the poverty line. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to have a husband that will hopefully have a job when we go to the doctorate program. Um, But that does narrow your options, right? Like. A fifteen thousand dollars stipend isn't going to get me anywhere at UCLA, but if we move to BFE, Oklahoma, I would be able to reasonably support us off of just that stipend. Oh yeah, anywhere like in the here in the Midwest, you could, right? If someone's like, "Oh, here's twenty thousand dollars a year," you're like, "Great, cool." Yeah, we can do that. Well, <laughs> like, does, I've, I've had good jobs that paid less than that. So right, does that change based on where you go and where you're living? I mean, does that change based on the, the cost of living there? Uh, no, typically the stipends don't change unless you're going for like a really, really difficult school to get into. So like University of Michigan would offer a higher stipend. What's than, a specific school that you would you would be like, that's the craziest school, over the that's moon. what you want to go to? <laughs> well, it's, it's a difficult question because, so of those 60 schools that I have on my list at home. Um, <laughs> You you are overwhelming. It's, it's terrifying. <laughs> of those 60 schools... Um, Each of those schools has their own list. <laughs> less than half of them have an acceptance rate above 5%. Holy wow. So wow. the University of Michigan, for example, which is one of the schools that's my long shot school, it's a 2 to 5% acceptance rate. 
Yeah, you gotta be being a Wolverine's prestigious. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but but to be fair, like, what percentage of your high school were you? I was top three percent. Exactly. So you know, to a lot of people that might be crazy, but not to you. That's true. But keep in mind that everyone applying to PhD programs is a version of me. <laughs> yeah. Man, man, I um, guess, I, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, you're right. If yeah, you're applying for a scary. PhD program, yeah, you're Yeah, right. you're and already a little scary. crazy for and signing already, on. Mm-hmm. It's scary to me that there's a lot of yous out there. And it's even more scary that... Who <laughs> runs the world? <laughs> girls. Yeah. That's what... That's just, what uh, we, you and I can't get away with doing half the stuff that we do if, if people like Aaron aren't like, learning things no you definitely <laughs> keep the lights on yeah, like there's yeah. no doubt about that yeah you are driven and the world needs that the, the world needs the use except i don't know what's going to happen and what happens to all of the use that fail well and to be fair i i am a weird person in my program so there are less organized and less yeah, okay, I was going to say because crazy you people are, than me in the program. Yeah. I I do stand out as a weirdo. <laughs> you are like you are like um Lindsay Nope. No, that's not her name. What's her? Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes, you're like Leslie Nope in the fact that I that's what I think of when I see her in her binders and her all her ridiculousness and but that's awesome because people should have goals. Like people Amy Santiago, like the Yeah, the, yeah. or uh, Amy Santiago. I mean, don't let people make you feel bad for that just ride that into the sun yeah yeah i do every semester i do take all of my syllabi from my three courses and i turn it into one master syllabi you see what i mean you're like i started a spreadsheet Um, like yeah so i have like one master thing and none of the other students in the program would ever do that themselves but if we take the same classes they're like aaron can i get that spreadsheet yeah please because then they have the same courses as me and then they use it it's like is that on a google drive somewhere i can right if there's some very specific organizing job that i could find with this degree that would be great <laughs> nice it's like uh i don't know about that but uh my degree did help me learn how to organize things really well i am so, so good at organizing yeah did you do any i know you used to live in portland did you mm-hmm. do any schooling out there i did um i was going to school for sign language interpreting before this wow and how how uh did that how did that do for you <laughs> um ignore ignore the cat his name is cat he's a nice guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I'm an academic person, so I, I have not found a program yet that I have not been good in. Okay. Um, thankfully. But with sign language interpreting, I, I was doing very well in the program, but it's a really uncomfortable power balance between client and interpreter. Mm-hmm. Um, because sign language interpreters, they follow clients to the most intimate and personal parts of their lives. So I would have to go to the doctor with you, and I'd have to go to the lawyer and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And there's been a long history of hearing people abusing the deaf community, that there's a strong level of mistrust. Okay. Um, because interpreters, before they had to be certified, they they could take advantage of clients all day, every day, you know, stealing money. They're, they're doing really sketchy stuff ethically. So I was very uncomfortable with the power dynamic and then also having to kind of prove yourself every time you get a new client that yeah. you're not a sketchy person. I'm not going to steal all of your money. Yeah, you can trust me. I'm not here to do anything to you. Yeah. Yeah. And people putting you in a rough position right off the bat. Right. And yeah. long term, I found out that there aren't really interpreting jobs that are steady. It's, you know, if I interpret for a college course and the one deaf student in there drops it, then I don't have a job that semester. Yeah, you got to oh. find some kind of church congregation somewhere to right. hopefully get into. And Are you fluent? I am. That's awesome. 
yeah, um, which doesn't help me much for a PhD in English. Cause... No, but the thing is, you'll never you never know what it will help you with. Right. I mean, that's something that you're passionate about. One day in your life that will have an effect on something that you're trying to do. Yeah, it's and um, deaf people account for ten percent of the national population, so it's it's really great when I'm. You know, when I used to serve in bartends and I would be able to actually communicate with someone coming in. Which is probably so refreshing to them. Like, oh my God, thanks. Someone someone understands me. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know how hard it is for me to try to like link up with people so that I can sell deaf people cars. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard. Yeah. And, and the, I probably know a ton of people and less than 1% of them know sign language. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, what do you think... In your in your experience, what's something that you've been taught, not necessarily in schooling, but just through your experiences uh, doing what you're doing now? Something that I've been taught? Yeah, something that you learned through, from this. Um, I I think that it would have to be just like the resilience of students that it, that get admitted for college courses. Um, the school that I'm at accepts a lot of people for their freshman year but we have a very low retention rate so with these students they didn't have the foundational skills that they needed to be able to succeed in the college course and it was just mind-blowing the amount of effort that came forward from students that you thought for sure you know the first day of class that they're completely checked out that it's because they don't care you know they're not listening to you when you're teaching Mm. um but then I learned that it's because they just didn't know what the hell you were talking about. You know, they had never heard that before. Mm. So then it was just, it was mind boggling to have students that would want to meet up with me on a Friday at the library and would sit and listen to me help them for four hours, you know, just because they wanted to learn. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I feel you because I, I tutored in uh, junior high mm. and I felt the same thing. Uh, even recently in my last job, I taught kids how to read mm-hmm. and just feeling that that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't think I want to be an educator outside of this. <laughs> yeah. but Right. It's just like, yeah, cause like, like, I mean, seeing, seeing how badly public schools sometimes fail, uh, kids are slip of the cracks. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, how did you get to where you're at now? Like, how are you here? And you don't know any of this stuff. Like how, like you just got passed along right so you're like oh you're the next guy's problem and like it took those kids just kind of get like moved along it's like oh well now here i am and you don't know anything you don't know how to work you don't even know how to operate in the real world like because they they taught you they taught you nothing like yeah i i found out that my students didn't have to take like any kind of computer courses in high school um you know so when we were in high school i had to take keyboarding and i Mm -hmm. had to take business computer some things um my students i had some of them they didn't they didn't know how to put a page number on a page and they didn't know how to do hanging indents which is necessary for the citation form we use um so i had to take a whole class period you know and we only get 16 weeks i had to spend the whole time just showing them how to use basic microsoft word stuff because it got taken out of the schools so what do you want to say like to kind of open people's eyes uh is there something specific that you want to say to kind of prepare these people before they just jump right into into college? Um, well, there's a lot of things with that, that on an individual level, I don't know what students could do to prepare themselves because the entire public education system in Ohio doesn't actually prepare you for college. It prepares you for standardized tests. Mm. 
And that kind of knowledge doesn't help you when you're in college. Um, I mean, we were lucky enough, the English teacher that I had in high school made us do college level work. Mm. Um, But that's only if you are lucky enough to have an exceptional teacher that wants to. That goes above and beyond. Right. Because the curriculum's not there anyway. Like. So those teachers who make you that kind of stuff, it's, it's them setting their own curriculum. Right. I guess the my wish for students is that they're willing to completely abandon everything that they've learned from their high school English classes and just be open to a completely different way of writing when they get to universities. Yeah. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's hard for an 18-year-old to wrap their head around. Yeah, and the thing that sucks is, like, not only are they ill-prepared, but they feel like that's their that's their only option people feel like they've been steered toward and they have been Mm -hmm. steered towards college and they think that's what's next that's what they're supposed to do oh yeah yeah. and and for some people honestly that's not what they're supposed to do yeah it's definitely not for everybody no (laughs) i mean and it's i mean i got i I, aaron and i both got little the little brown handbook in high school and it -hmm. it didn't help me at all so (laughs) I, i still have it um but I think that definitely for some people it's a deterrent from them being for them to be successful in what they should be trying to be successful in. Yeah. yeah. And I that's that's one of the main things that I want to capture on this uh, on this podcast here show people don't feel like you have to do what you think is the norm like just because you've been shoved that down your throat by somebody with an agenda like yeah as a kid you're supposed to trust your school system right. and now you find out that your school system is a business that has to meet quotas and you are just a number yeah or like when you're a kid and you realize like i didn't realize i guess until i was an adult how weird it was that the school let army recruiters and like navy recruiters just come into school it's like oh yeah we were all dumb kids and you're just like yeah join the army like okay fine i guess oh, that that's like that means nothing to you when you're 18 because you're like whatever I'm gonna right live, i'm gonna live forever what's it what's the difference <laughs> you know what i mean and it's just like oh wow that's predatory that's why like I, yeah. i've thought about like start uh setting up like a scholarship fund at weight mm-hmm. um and i thought about like i want to make it so that they maybe I can kind of give them some kind of discovery and make sure that that's what they want to get the, the scholarship. And maybe along the way they find out that that's not what they want. And if that's fine, maybe I can help them get into whatever they want to do. Right. But like I think that a scholarship should be available to people and kind of help people guide to see if that's what they should really do. Not just like here's some free money, take it and run, and then use student loans for the rest of it and just wreck your credit for the next. Yeah, especially when your school oh, yeah. lets you change your major 16 times. It's like, oh, yeah, as long as you're paying. Yeah. Oh, you undecided? Want. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, now you want business? Oh, great. Oh, now you want to be music? Oh, that's awesome. That's, oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, I really screwed myself with the uh, major you? change. Yeah. So did I. And yeah, that's, and that's why I stopped going then. to school. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I, I would love to have finished school. I love learning. But, damn, like, after my second major change I realized I could be making more money by working multiple jobs and finding what I'm actually passionate about oh yeah I mean I I have an obscene amount of student debt and I got my undergrad in English in 2011 and I was serving in bartending up until you know last year when I started the master's program yeah um and it's it's terrifying to think that I'm going to then have two degrees and still will have to fall back on serving or bartending because yeah. I'll make more than I would adjuncting. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we have a friend 
who did the same thing. Like he moved to China. Like his yeah. answer, his answer was, I mean, you know, Evan. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Evan was just like, well, uh, I got this degree, so I'm going to use it to teach English in China because they're going to pay me way more to live in China yep. than I'd get oh, paid yeah. by anybody here. So he's been there for like three years now. Yeah. He's been gone. So he just comes yeah, back and visits her once in a while. But he's like, yeah. he's like, oh, I love China. It's great. I was like, yeah, I bet China seems cool. So yeah, well, I asked well, him know. about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll know when we do the episode. <laughs> 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 so, um, I I think that what what's your goal? Like, what is what can happen in your life mm-hmm. if there's one thing that could happen right now that made your life easier, uh, to make your job easier? What would that be? What's one thing that would take a lot of pressure off of you? Um, better funding for the humanities and college campuses. Yeah. Um, I mean, that happens across the board in any level of education. Arts and humanities are the first things that are cut. Do you feel like it's fair? Um, no, but I do feel like people are starting to realize that it's becoming a problem. Um, not the people that are in charge of making the cuts, of course, because those are still happening. We're, we just got another budget cut in our department. Um, but I... I read in Forbes that it's a $3 billion a year industry that businesses have to pay people to come in and teach remedial writing to their employees. Wow. What? What? Really? So, yeah, we're thinking about starting a business for that because... Yeah, well, there's, um, a, there's money to be made there. I yeah. imagine that I would do that. And the thing, the key is then finding a balance. If this is what you really like to do and then you really like to do that and then those fuel each other, find that balance and just keep doing it. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, because after you cut those things for so long, then you have all of these business majors that don't have the writing skills that they need. Yeah. And then when that's your employee, it reflects on your whole organization. Yep. Um, so businesses are starting to figure that out, but um, legislators are not quite there yet. Well, it's because, uh, you know, they get the same education as the rest of us. Right. Yeah. Um, and they don't have any backgrounds in education. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough road. What fueled this fire? Um, I I get very righteously angry about a lot of things, and yeah, you it do. it really helps when it's something that I am incredibly passionate about. So I have been a bookworm my whole life, and then I thought, oh, why wouldn't I just go to school for that? And then it's horribly depressing when you find out that the thing that you just assumed would happen—you know, you get your doctorate, and then you get a job, and then you can, you know, eventually like have a house or make babies. Mm-hmm. You find out that that's not true, that 25% of your class will be able to do that. And yeah, even then... That, that feeling has to be horrible. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things, too, where it's like, you expect it to happen because it's what they tell us it's going to happen. They, they tell right. you all throughout school, it's like, this is what happens, This is the, like, this, the these are the steps, and it works out for everyone every single time because you put the work in and you get an A+, because you're a snowflake, and guess what, you did it. Yeah. It's just like, all right, cool. And you get to college, you're like, oh, wait, this is hard as shit. <laughs> and then you, you get through that, and you're like, all right, cool, now I got a degree. Now what? And they're like, oh, nothing. Still nothing. It's like, oh, well, your degree is in English, so if you really want to go somewhere, you need at least a master's. You're like, well, what, really? And you get the, you know, well, now I got that. And it's like, well, if you really want to get anywhere in English, you got to have a, you really got to be a doctor. Right. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's really shitty. Um but if I have to be one of those 25% people, then I'm going to be one of those 25% people. Yeah. So what kind of things do you get irrationally angry about, do you think? Because you said that you get very easily <laughs> fired up. And I can remember things from our past when we were children that I was like, this is kind of irrational. But Yeah. Um, I, I am definitely, I just took the new updated the Myers-Briggs personality test. Yeah. Um, 
And then I read my profile on it, and it says that, you know, my kind of people, we think that there's absolutely a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way to do things. I think you and I are the same page there. Yeah, so my husband won't even help me make the bed anymore, because I'm like, you're, how can you be this bad at making a bed, you know? it's. Oh my god, that does sound like me, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, sounds like you. Oh, shit. And I don't know why those things make me angry, but then it's one of those things in a marriage where you're like, well, you know what? I care how the bed is made and you don't, so maybe I just make the bed and <laughs> get the hell out of the bedroom. Yeah, I don't know. It's just because I, I think there's at least two times a day every day where I just look at him like, why? Why? Why are you doing that that way? Yeah. He's like, why? You know how to do that. Don't do that that way. And he's like, he's like what are you talking about? And I was like, nope. Like, Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's frustrating to like be in my own head with that kind of stuff. Oh, um, I feel you there, sister. And now after advanced study in the humanities, I am analyzing everything that I watch. Oh, I bet. Uh, How exhausting is that? It's so, so awful. Like <laughs> Being open to like feminist critical theory and advancements in that field has ruined so much popular television and movies oh, for me that oh, I'm just I, like... I bet. Yeah, you're, uh, just like, you're like, oh, cool. They, they, they've turned this, uh, the, the only female character in the show into yeah. a tool for... Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Suicide Squad. Oh, my God. Uh, I was going to say, don't watch The Killing Joke. (laughs) Don't watch anything. It was rough. But it also, like, helps me now. Like, I watched, I think it was season three of House of Cards um, when Claire is meeting with the Russian ambassador. And in a power move, she invites him into the women's bathroom and pees with the door open. Like, it was such a powerful moment that I like had to write a paper right away, and I've been submitting it to try to get that published because and, it was yeah. just amazing that oh, yeah. you see men peeing in the bathroom all the time, but for a woman to do it, I'm like, why is this so groundbreaking? Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, I think the most, like, don't take this the wrong way, but you're very extra, and <laughs> and so am I. But I think like yeah. my favorite thing about your extraness is like you're like. I liked this thing, so I went and I wrote about it. <laughs> and, and it's not—it's yeah, like, very academic, extra. Yeah, no, it, I don't—I don't care that you wrote a paper. I don't care mm. that you wrote. What I care about is how you felt about writing it, and yeah. the fact that you get so excited that you have something that yeah. you can write about, like that. I love that. I love to see that. I love to see people. People barely read, let alone write, and people have so much to say. They don't want—they don't know how to let it out. Fucking write it down. Right. Jesus Christ. Sorry, it's funny because it's it's like it's the second way we're taught to communicate, right? Like the first way you're taught is verbally, Mm because that's the easiest way, and the second way you're taught to communicate is by reading and writing. And I just feel like it's so overlooked. People are just like, well, and then I think you think that, but also we're a generation that's grown up. Everything that we've done has been on screens. Like we we started dating by aim like aiming each other. You know what I mean? Like, Like so we've always been reading. We've always been reading and writing, but we like. We don't do it, I guess. We, we never really did it in the way that we were supposed to do it because our generation got stuck in this kind of gap where we, we had this new technology. So our, we weren't reading... like We were writing letters, and then like letters became text messages very quickly. Oh, yeah. The girl that was interning before me at the nonprofit, our boss had to sit her down and show her how to address an envelope because she'd never, she'd never had to mail anything before. So oh, she didn't know what a life where the words went on the envelope. She's like, what, what, what goes on this? <laughs> like, did she know where to get stamps? <laughs> no, probably, probably not. We no, because then it was at a nonprofit. We just feed it through the machine. So she probably still doesn't know where I mean, you buy stamps. That goes oh, right man. back into literally like things that we're not taught. Like 
yeah, maybe that's a little out of touch as something, but there's a lot of things that people don't know how to do that I was never taught how to do that I mm-hmm. kind of learned as well, I was common sense shit growing up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, things that we should have been prepared for, like I don't know how to change a tire. Yeah, how to bounce a check, change book, oil. Just, yeah. I mean, uh, your credit. How to Can tie you it. imagine if how to tie school a damn taught tie. you how to oh my God. work your credit? Yeah, like people would be in a better situation, but uh, I guess then this country wouldn't have its opportunities. Right. You know what I mean? It's, people people need to be prepared. Like, as uh, the Lion King says. <laughs> <laughs> as, then, as Scar once said. <laughs> be prepared, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, I think... 1995. There, there, <laughs> there could be so much, so much more done. Well, and that's the worst part. When cuts are made, no one has an outrage when an art program or music is taken away, but... I mean, have you read the response that they're not teaching cursive anymore? Parents got so pissed off about it that they're bringing it back in some states. For what? Right. It's like learn your learn your signature. That's all you'll ever need cursive for. Right, and I'm like, can Other we maybe bring back asshole. some English classes yeah, so that it, yeah. people can learn to think critically because and have empathy? Well, stuck. And that's how they were taught, though. That's right. See, that's how they were taught. That's the thing too, though. Is like, is like those same people who don't care about you know music or English classes getting cut those same people who are like the second uh, a sports team gets cut you know it's like oh we can't do football it's like oh how dare you so we can't do football oh, yeah. we, we better do football it's like okay uh, why is football more important than learning how to I don't know read yeah um, that was another awakening when I was teaching my courses um, so my first semester, I had I had to be a teaching assistant for a, a professor, mm. where I sat in on two of her classes, and I held office hours and, and did that kind of thing. And then my second semester, I taught independently. Um, students that are on the football team and high-profile sports, there, there are men and women whose only job it is is to show up in the morning, sit in the hallway, and make sure that that athlete comes to class. Like they have athletes have that much support at high school or at the college level that they have people that make sure they go to class. They have their own academic advisors. They have their own tutors. They have another academic person that is just in charge of emailing me if they get a bad grade on something. Um, So the only students that have the support system that they would need to succeed at a university are the athletes who are only there to play football and play high-profile sports and then leave as soon as they possibly can and sign a contract. Um, Yeah, so it's it was really disgusting. Yeah, I mean, is that is that insane? Do you want to change that? I would love to be able to change that. Um, I would love to be able to take some of those resources that athletic systems get and put them into you know, college composition programs. You know, my my class that I'll be teaching, that's the course that everyone just understands as the course that the university makes you take. You know, that's mm-hmm. comp one and comp two. You have to take those. So those are kind of your blow-off classes. Those are the ones that you get to before you're able to get to the classes you really want to take. Right. Um, but if there was more funding and more support for those kind of programs, maybe we would be able to do something more interesting than just, you know, do a rhetorical analysis and stuff. Yeah. And and show people that you're allowed to write about pretty much whatever you want to. Yeah, because like, like there, I mean, that's how the world works. You can just write about anything. Yeah, <laughs> like anything can be analyzed. Anything <laughs> can be looked at from a different point of view. It's just, and I think that we they they box a lot of that out of us. Where it's like you know, well, you can write reports about books, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> my students were really 
blown away when I, I showed them a John Oliver clip about sugar. Yeah. Um, Did you see him when he was in town or when he was nearby? Or no, I tried to. Uh, um, but they, I mean, they were completely shocked. You know, this guy's swearing on TV and mm-hmm. he's making ball jokes and... Wow. They're, yeah, they're they're 18 <laughs> years old and they'd never seen that before. You know, they right. came from high school. Yeah. So they were really shocked that that's, that's fair game to write about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because, like, there's, there's so many weird rules and stipulations and things put on you in, in high school and public school especially. I mean, because I, 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 I don't know what private school is like because I was poor. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that, that, that life's like. But, I mean, in public school at least it's like there's so much put on you like oh you can't do this and you can't say this and you can't do this and you're so like by the time you by the time you turn 18 and you start becoming a human like you're so censored and you've been stripped of like all these things that could have made you like creative and it's just like no you need to stop doing all of that stuff and learn how to like mm-hmm. sit down I mean, and be quiet. it goes right back to uh blue is not a creative color or green is not a creative color yeah yeah, yeah. um like it's just that idea that they you're not they thinking want creatively you, yeah they want you to think one way right like um and that that throws you off and i even remember back in in school uh whenever i had the chance to write anything i just would push the fucking boundaries i'd push mm-hmm. the limits like in maybe 11th grade they're like write anything so i wrote a story about evan and a badger and like they both <laughs> ended up transforming and fighting and like the teacher went crazy over it she was like how are you this creative and i'm like that's just my life that's just how i live you told me anything why would i restrict myself and write about a dog or something like yeah. right. why would i not just write a crazy ass story and uh and I, I wish more people had that mindset like yeah. I wish more people saw that they, they had that opportunity and that anything really means anything. Yeah, some of my students, I mean, they were they got really excited. I, you know, they wrote about Game of Thrones and yeah. Then it was really amazing. I get I get so pissed off when I hear people dumping on millennials. Mm. Um, because often it's people that don't actually interact with millennials. Like yeah. it's my mom yeah. and it's you know my grandparents that are complaining about it. And I mean, I had students that had much more developed like feminist or racial theory perspectives than I did. Oh, absolutely. I And yeah, it was just it was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was telling Joe the other day, I was, I was like, you know, they they've had the benefit. Like and I always laugh because when people our age say like talk about millennials, I'm like, you guys realize that we are part of that generation. Like we are <laughs> like we are the top of that generation, but we are still yeah. part of it. Like we are technically millennials. Um, so I'm just like, don't talk shit because we are still part of that group. Like, you guys got to be careful. That's still us. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, these these kids have grown up in a global world, yeah. right? In a world where, you know, we have openly gay teachers and you know, students and, you know, presidents of things and, you know, people who are important and people on TV. So like, that's not, that's not weird. And then the president's black. That's not weird, you know. So, so, so they, they, these kids grow up in a world where it's like, well, anybody can just kind of do anything, so it's fine. Like, yeah. And then their scope is increased. I mean, right, think because about of, because like they have the they live on the internet. So exactly. They have a whole world. Yeah. yeah. There's know, so many more perspectives global problems that are being shoved in their feed. Right. I think this is this be a generation of kids who kind of understand the big picture. I think as well as the small picture, where it's like you know, because they, they understand like, oh shit, these aren't just problems here; these are global problems. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's, it's, they're a little more evolved that way than we had the chance to be. Yeah, the uh, the stereotype of, like, the vapid, self-obsessed millennial, I did not see that in any of my classrooms. And, you know, I got to observe 
you know, 40 students in one semester. I got to teach 25 of them my own. And then I worked in the writing center where I had to tutor anybody and any everybody that mm. came in. Um, it was it was really exciting. Yeah. You know, to see that these are, you know, 18-year-olds who before I had never met an 18-year-old that cared that much about anything. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I again, did, we went to public school, so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was really wonderful to see that level of passion in that young of a person who has the tools now to research it and back it up with evidence. It was uh, just it was great. Honestly, I think a lot of that goes back to who their educator is. And like one of our recent guests is a uh, uh, a teacher at our own alma mater and mm -hmm. she, she utilizes like the walking dead and comic books when she teaches. And I think that goes hand in hand with you said, people write about game of Thrones uh, that people having that and getting connected with are going to have a much better understanding of what they're getting themselves into right? because they have a teacher who actually cares about where they go. I mean, with passionate educators, you get it makes a students. gigantic difference in, in the student in their, in their career path. I yeah. think that that, that that makes a huge difference. Um, what do you think one thing that you could do better would be? One thing would probably be to keep my mouth shut a little more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, me too. <laughs> I am very vocal in all of my classes. If I could learn to challenge that into just my writing and not class discussion, mm -hmm. Um, cause there's always that fear in the back of my mind that, you know, we're talking about all of this groundbreaking stuff in class and we're, you know, we had a whole day where we just got to talk about the election and we have all of these interesting and progressive thoughts in class, but then you go home and you're like, okay, well that's still 12 of us that are sitting in a room talking to each other. Um, you know, how... How do you turn that into something that actually affects change? Right, right. I mean, how many normal people read and promotes change? Right, like that's the most important part. It's it's you can't just show somebody something. You have to show somebody how to keep going. Yeah, yeah. I, I found the world really needs instructions. The more instructions people have, the, <laughs> the happier they are. It's like, well, you just keep showing me how to do it, and I'm gonna do it. Well, it's just like the age old, you know you teach somebody to fish versus giving somebody a fish. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Um, what you mentioned to me a little bit before we started recording, uh, you do historic journals. Yeah. Um, the, the assistantship that I, I applied for, for my second year of the program is for the university press. Um, teaching was really heartbreaking. So I, I knew that I had to get out of that or I was not going to make it through another academic year. Yeah. It's good that you got a hold of that though. Yeah, I'm glad that I have the experience um, because that's probably what I'll have to do with my degree. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, but the university that I'm at has has a press that they release. Um, it's only about four or five books per year. And the one that we're working on that I kind of got to see from start to finish is we are consolidating and reprinting academic articles from the Northwest Ohio Quarterly, which was run out of Bowling Green State University. I think they are still publishing, um, but it's all on Northwest Ohio history. Um, you know, going all the way back to, like, I guess, Alexander Hamilton wrote a bunch of letters about really? stuff here, and Aaron Burr was really involved in some of the Native American wars after that. So that yeah, was those guys didn't like each other. <laughs> no, and it was really great after listening to Hamilton for six months straight that I'm then reading about these dudes and what they're doing afterwards. Um, <laughs> Well, one of them, because the other one died. 
Yeah. But unfortunately. So now my my job is split between really interesting stuff and really boring stuff. Mm. Um, we are taking Northwest Ohio quarterly issues from about 1930 to the present, and we're picking out the most interesting articles from each of those magazines that were published. Then my boss has to scan them all, and scanners do not read things as well as people do. So mm-hmm. my job mm-hmm. is to go through and change all of the weird letters that get changed because a scanner can't read what the letter U looks like. And spell check does not notice when you put a number 11 in the middle of a word. So <laughs> you have to read these very, very carefully. So it's about 20 single page, single space pages of Northwest Ohio history that I have to proofread, and then I have to retype all of the footnotes in them oh, which man. gets really dull I bet. um footnotes are too small for a scanner to actually translate into a word document so i have to retype all of them um the downside is it's really dull work you stare at a computer for 20 hours a week um but the plus side is i get to learn a lot of interesting stuff about local history yeah how much of that do you retain do you use like uh, all of it like- um the really interesting stuff um so a couple of things, there was the uh, the Fallen Timbers Memorial, I had to read a lot about that. Um, and I, I read a lot about how American soldiers kind of tricked the Native Americans into saying we're going to sign a peace treaty for two years, everything's going to be cool. We signed the treaty with them and our plan all along was to build up our armies over those two years because we were just getting decimated um, because they didn't. American soldiers didn't know how to fight a Native American tribe at that time. So we essentially tricked them, and then we killed a whole bunch of people at Fallen Timbers, and now we have a mall there. Um, yeah, we got a, a real cool mall, and there's a, <laughs> there's a nice fort that you can go hang out at. Yeah, so that that part, there's a lot of really awful parts of American history that you know give you terrible feelings about yourself and your country. And Right, I think we overlook that a lot. Well, and, I think we kind of have to, right, in order to be happy, because we're like, well, think about all the atrocities we've committed. It's like, no, right. maybe we're assholes. And then there's something really beautiful about, you know, the fact that historians, because they're writing academic papers that they're not making money on, they're telling the truth. So we still have records of what really happened because mm-hmm. an academic had to keep publishing to keep his job. Right. Um, so it's it's really nice to know that those exist. You just have to kind of dig through a bunch of other stuff to get there. And then it was also really cool. There there used to be a prison on one of the islands in Lake Erie, kind of by Putin Bay. Really? Um, I had no idea. And it was, yeah, it was for um, Confederate soldiers. And so I got to read a lot about how, I mean, it was just terrible conditions in the prison. I mean, prisoners didn't even have clothes. Um, or they would be issued one set of pants, you know, for the whole winter. And, Oh my goodness. It was a concrete building that didn't have any windows, so prisoners were breaking the walls just to have fresh air come in. Um, and it was it was such terrible conditions that they had to write to family members to try to get money. Um, but even through all of that, they prisoners started writing. That was one of the few things that they were allowed to do. So they wrote a bunch of stuff. They put on plays. Um, the extra like tiny bit of scratch that they got from their families, they used that to pay for costumes. All right. Um, it was it was really cool. They'd like put on concerts for each other just to like get through fucking prison. So. It's like, well, we, we're gonna be here, so let's uh let's make the best of it, guys. Like, sounds good, dude. Right. Let's, let's all do it. It kind of like reminded you that 
somewhere we all know that the humanities is really important because prisoners who think that there's no chance in hell that they're going to get out of there, they put on Shakespeare. Yeah, and they resort to the classics. Yeah, they wrote short stories and they created music. It was it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to see some inspiration there uh, and not just complete well, lack, I think, I think, I think, void of hope. Yeah. I think it goes to show like just how um, important I think the humanities are just to us as people. Like those things are so in, entwined in who we are that like you can't escape it. Like music makes you dance or makes you smile or does something. You know, or reading like reading a book does something to you that other things can't. Like they, they stimulate in a way that other things can't stimulate you. And I think that that no matter what happens, that's always going to be the same. Um, those things are always going to be like super important to people. So, I have a heavy question. Yeah. Are you happy? Yes. Um, I'm going into an awful amount of debt, and I have little to no job prospects. But for this two years, I get to do what I love every single day. Um, That's incredibly courageous. And... Like, <laughs> that, I mean, it has to be terrifying. It's so, so scary, but... And the fact that you're happy about it? Yeah. Is, yeah. Is um, really it's awesome. a special kind of crazy... And then the average PhD program, they tell you, you know, it's six to eight years, but all of our professors are like, dude, it's really eight years. Mm -hmm. um, there's no six. There's no six. So, you know, I'm looking at schools that the best chance of acceptance are, you know, below the Bible Belt, where it's going to be super hot and Republican and gross weather-wise. Or, like, Norman, Oklahoma has one of the highest acceptance rates that I've seen so far. And it's also just happens to be the city in the world that has the most tornadoes. Um, okay. But then, you know, for eight years in Oklahoma with a storm cellar, hopefully, I get to keep doing what I love every day and hope that I'm good enough to make a career out of it and not die in a twister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. As long as you can flip through those things. Yeah. Man, that, that, that's just a lot of dedication. It's just like, well, whatever it takes, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. So, when did you, when did you decide? Oh, um, we moved back. Let's see, in like 2012, I think. And I, I had been kicking around master's programs right after I graduated with my undergrad. Um, but for most of them, you had to take the GRE, and even with my undergrad, I did not have the skills necessary to take that exam. I took practice tests, and I was failing across the board. Um, and that was, you know, that was getting a 4.0 most semesters in college. You just don't learn the kind of things that you need for a standardized test anywhere. Um, one of the few that does not require the GRE to get into. Okay. Um, so I applied at a school that did not make me take that exam. Um, and it was kind of something that was just always nagging at me. You know, I, I became an English major because I took a class um, that was part of an elective series that I could take. It was a reading fiction course, and I was a psychology major before that. Um, and then I found myself just filling up all of my electives with English classes. So I'm like, why the hell am I not just majoring in this? Mm -hmm. um, so I think I knew a long time ago that I was going to go into advanced study in English, but it just took me a long time to get there. What did you want to be as a child? I wanted to be an architect or an engineer. Um, you think there's any any bit of that in you still? Uh, there's there's a lot of that methodical nature that I can see that. 
Um, I, I write my papers completely differently than everyone in my program does. Um, but that, that mindset has helped me find gaps in the scholarship. Yeah. So for this, it's, you know, <laughs> there's no one in my department that also likes math, you know, and I, I like doing math and I like doing English. Um, so that, that helps me, but it's still very weird. You know, it's, there aren't a lot of English majors that also think on the logic side. Okay. A lot of romantics. Yeah. Um, which doesn't help me relate to people, but it definitely helps me when it's time to write my papers. Cause yeah. you know, I go through a lot of post-it notes and highlighters and stuff, but if you could do anything else, what would you do? Hmm. If there were not five lawyers for every one person in America, I would probably have gone to law school. I used to think I was gonna. Um, it's a really common major for people who like to write or read because um, you have to do so much of it. Um, but there's also something about being able to debate and argue for a living that is really appealing. <laughs> yeah, there's a point in time where I thought I might travel that road just to yell at people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely thought that. Like, especially because I love debate. I love, mm -hmm. I think my, my favorite thing is trying to prove something. Yeah. So, like, that's what I'm about. Or, uh, like, I want to be disproven, mm -hmm. but show me why. You know? Oh, yeah. I hate pointless arguing. I don't, I don't know if it's so much something that you love as it is part of your DNA. <laughs> it is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we've had some arguments at some point in our lives. I'm sure. Um, do you have any other questions about this specific topic? Yeah, I just like so. so they pay for all your tuition and they give you mm -hmm. this, this meager stipend uh, to live off of. But like, if you were single, do you think you could you could do it? Oh no, no. Um, so <laughs> you're not allowed to work while you're in the program. But that really, that's so crazy. Um, that doesn't stop a lot of us from working. I would um, imagine. So I was going to host trivia while I was in the program, and there's someone in the year below me that's doing that right now. And last year, one of the graduate students was working three jobs on top of it because she was single. Mm -hmm. um, if I didn't have someone that was willing to go to a job he hated every day just to make sure that we could pay all of our bills. I don't think that I could have done it. Um, so I'm, I'm very lucky that I have that. But I, I think that I would have, I'm that kind of person, I would have made it work either way. Um, I mean, I had to plan a freaking wedding last semester and that just about killed me um, between that and school. And I... I was working last semester. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but even that, I mean, that was 10 hours a week. I was juggling that. I was doing my school stuff. I was doing wedding planning. Um, so just between all of that before planning the wedding, I was at 80 hours a week is what I was doing between my research and my classwork, my teaching and my graduate assistantship and my part-time job that I was working 10 hours a week at. And plus you have stuff that you're passionate about in your personal life. Like I know you like right. like put things together like little like movie viewing parties and stuff. Like yeah. you try to keep up on things like that. Yeah, we're having an Oscar party. Yeah, see what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, you had like a Harry Potter marathon or something yeah. where you like make a big deal out of it though. And yeah. that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's it's hard to keep up on that stuff, but I mean, even doing something that you love all the time, mm-hmm. yeah, you still feel like like that can't be all I do. I can't go sit in a cubicle all day, come home and make dinner and go to bed. Yeah, yeah you need to change things up. You need to, to yeah. just do other to break the monotony. Otherwise, you'll just kind of start drifting. Yeah, like, right. like I don't know, start a podcast or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure we hit? I don't think so. I, I wanted to talk about acceptance rates, and I did that. Okay, so oh, yeah. let me ask you Those this, are surprisingly low. This yeah. then, as kind of like an exit question to this point, uh, what would you say to somebody now, a young person who comes up to you and tells you that's what they want to do? Oh, I'm so torn because I feel that complicated feeling about my own choices. Like if I could go back, would I not go into English knowing what I know now? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the answer would be no, of course I would do it. I would just do it earlier so <laughs> that I wasn't in grad school and I wasn't going to get my PhD in my 30s. Um, if I had a college freshman come up to me now and tell me that that's what they wanted to go into, I would say start working your ass off now because you need to be that two to five percent to get into a PhD program. So there's like 150 books that they recommend. The good schools recommend that you read before a master's program. I have not read those. (laughs) You know, it's um, there's a lot more background foundational work that goes into it that I never knew was necessary. So I would say make sure that this is absolutely what you want to do and research what the job prospects are before you go into it. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I definitely think I think that's how people should treat everything, really. Yeah. Uh, that's Unfortunately, it's getting people to understand that is because when you're that age, especially, you don't want to hear anything somebody's telling you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Especially telling you that your dreams aren't... Yeah. That special. <laughs> well, why? Why would you want to listen to anything? You know everything. Yeah. Well, why yeah. would? Right. Why would some adult know more than you? Yeah. Couldn't possibly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not somebody who's lived twice your age. <laughs> no. I think this is this is all part of life, though, right? It's like yeah. no no one is ever going to listen to their elders, and we're all going to complain about it later. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and it's universal too. I mean, no one that came into my program knew mm. that it's twenty five percent of PhDs actually get jobs. You know, no one knew that because you you essentially just have to wait for a professor at a university to die so that you can take their job because everyone gets tenure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Teach forever. I'll just hang around all the old professors and bide my time. It's like I'm going to get that letter of recommendation out of you. Yeah. But, I mean, if it fulfills you. If it fulfills yeah. you and, it, and you feel happy the way that you feel now putting all this stuff into it, I think it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much where I want to end that portion. We do a little slight portion afterwards where we just ask some more fun questions, uh, less about what you do and more just kind of about you. Josh always leads with the same question. I always have the same question. That question is, tell us about your first kiss. Oh, my first kiss. Okay, so I was in seventh or eighth grade. Okay. I went to a very small Catholic school. Oh, so yeah. there was like two, <laughs> 250 of us in K through eight. And my seventh grade boyfriend 
came to we had um like once a month it was the friday night skates at fun spot okay like this little dinky skating rink i love fun spot and it was right before halloween and we had one and i kissed joey justice by the lockers at fun spot with my skates on is that his real name yeah oh man excellent (laughs) joey justice yeah how was it in your skates in my skates, yeah, so it made me a little bit taller. That sounds like a MySpace kid through and through. <laughs> Joey so what did your, what was your reaction? How did it feel? I don't It made me feel like a grown-up. Like I was <laughs> yeah. 13 thinking I was super badass because I was one of the girls at Fun Spot that had a boyfriend. Um, <laughs> you were so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so dorky now, but oh, that's how you yeah, feel, absolutely. you know? Yeah, yeah I, I thought I was a total badass. Yeah, but. definitely. I can see that for sure. <laughs> um, you have pets? Uh, no, my husband is deathly allergic to cats. Oh, no. Um, we really want to get a small dog, but our landlord does not allow that. So we're hoping that wherever we move for school, we'll be able to get just like a little, you know. Okay. Nice little little. Yeah, thing little one. <laughs> well, if you could have one, one uh, animal that doesn't necessarily live with you, because it can be any animal, mm-hmm. but it, it, it associates itself as yours, and it comes and it has a close relationship with you. What kind of animal would you choose? Um, it's really funny. My sister has been researching um, teacup pigs. She mm. has always loved pigs. Yeah. And she's been doing so much homework on actually owning one that now I've started thinking, like, damn, that would be cool to have a little baby pig. <laughs> oh, no, it would. They're adorable. And they're super smart. So, I'm surprised like, that she's held on to the pig. Yeah, she, um, yeah she, she's really into it. I guess that they're, they're smarter than dogs. So they'll, like, remember where you put their food away. So then they'll break into that cabinet and get their food out. Oh, nice. Like dogs, it's like little babies. Like once it's out of their line of vision, they don't remember that that exists anymore. Yeah, it was like, well, here's the bowl. Put something in the corner, please. Thank right. You. Well kind of like similar to that i've heard raccoons are mischievous and they like yeah. get into doors like little cabinets and yeah um, food. yeah and i guess these these pigs are also kind of bitchy <laughs> what? Um, they get kind of mean so they're they they're a lot needier <laughs> than dogs with emotional attention oh yeah so if you leave them along alone too long they like get mad at you when you come back yeah, so hold, there's something like kind of badass about like this tiny little animal that probably thinks he's way bigger than he is like yeah, dogs a are really happy to charging see you. you when you come home. Or throwing shade at you. Like, <laughs> dogs are so happy to see you. Like, yeah. they've already forgotten about that bad thing. They just want to be scratched behind the yeah. ear and told they're a good boy. No, like, I want a pet that's up. kind of a dick that has a little bit of an edge to it. Yeah. <laughs> something I can really hang out with. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I don't want it to be, like, real clingy and weird. No, there's something that's going to be real mean to me sometimes. Yeah. A pig. Really, really set you straight. If you could do a superhero ride along. Uh, shadow a superhero for a day. Who are you picking? Hmm. I don't really know if Wolverine counts as a superhero. Yeah, yeah, really no, yeah. That, but yeah. um, he's he also is kind of a dick, which I like. Um, and I also have always been drawn to Gambit, so I. Also, just yeah. so I could like hustle but, a bunch I mean, of yeah, people, Gambit, I think. Yeah, Gambit. Just, like, he probably wouldn't teach you anything. But he, he, he could. He, teach he teaches some real cool yeah. street yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he's just so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I feel like Gambit's one of those, one of those don't meet your heroes things. Yeah, probably. But you know, that's my name that I always use when I enter into like the the football pools and stuff at work. So yeah, see, I'm just afraid of meeting Gambit and being like, dude, you're so fucking cool, and then finding out he's a scumbag. 
Well, he's, he's a he's a literally a thief. So yeah, but he does it with flair. It doesn't make me else of a thief. <laughs> now he's an obnoxious thief. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. From afar, when it doesn't affect me, it's pretty cool. But right, uh, like I'm saying, like meeting him, it's like ah, uh, this isn't cool anymore. You, <laughs> yeah, you're an you asshole, scurvy dog. So, what about a villain? Hmm. I I really don't watch a lot of superhero stuff besides X Men. So I mean, I I there's something really intriguing about Magneto. Yeah, Magneto's good too. Well, yeah, he's he's uh he's a good. That's why you, we've seen his backstory in six of the like eight X Men movies. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why they keep redoing that because, because he's one of the better characters in the entire franchise. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's something appealing about someone being righteously angry, and instead of going about the way that you're supposed to fix that problem, just using your just, righteous indignation to yeah, just like, nope, I'm gonna make change happen. Yep, just kind of screw everybody and. You know, yeah. do whatever the fuck you want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of mad too. What? He's what like, is it that draws you to these? people? I don't know. I just really. I think it's because you know I keep finding myself in positions where you can't. You know, I'm also a woman. You can't be running around work being pissed off all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's something appealing about being able to do that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, plus you have a character like Magneto who's like his his entire goal is I'm going to make change by any means necessary because I have the power to do it. Right. So. Yeah, feeling like you can't really affect that change. I, I could definitely see why I'd want to hang out with Magneto. So right. This dude's going to get... He'll take care of it. We're good. Do you listen to music yet? I I listen... Well, thankfully, my husband listens to a lot of music. So okay, here we fucking go. He's exposed me to a lot of music that I wouldn't normally listen to. Oh, as in anything? I mean, literally, you didn't like music. No, I really didn't. That... that freaked me out i'm not gonna lie to you um even now tim has a really weird blend of getting me really interested in music and making me hate it at the same time you never feel anything when you hear music um oh man everyone listening is gonna make fun of me so hard but i really love show tunes so do i so so much (laughs) um so do i those i i absolutely i listen to those all the time um but tim has introduced me to new bands which has has just been wonderful. Um, so I got to learn a lot more about bands that I would never listen to myself. Um, you know, so he really likes the Strokes and he likes AFI, and that was the first concert he took me to. And okay, um, I really like Alabama Shakes, and that was all because of my husband. Um, but he has a really just terrible quality that m- maybe goes across everyone who loves music where he has to find the perfect song to listen to for whatever we're doing. So if we're cooking, mm. he'll spend 10 minutes looking for the perfect song, <laughs> which just drives me crazy. I'm like, just put it on a playlist. It'll be fine. No, but you know, you know what? I think that the thing is, like, this is a grass is green on the other side situation, but mm-hmm. I got to tell you that having somebody actually put some thought and care into what they put on is better than <laughs> somebody just throwing on an album just like well whatever this is a, this is a band I like so here you have to listen to the, all everything I've ever written right. like oh my god please um, don't do that because it's something that he's so obviously passionate about mm-hmm. you know so you can't you can't really be mad that he loves something right. so much that it's it's that important that when we're chopping vegetables that this song has to be on because <laughs> that's the song um, and I don't have that. You know, to me, music has always kind of been more background noise than anything else. If you were going to be producing it, what would what kind of instrument do you think you'd make? Or play, I'm sorry. 
what would I play? Yeah. I've always wanted to play the piano. Um, I learned how to play guitar, um, but I've forgotten that by now. Um, you know, I haven't played one since I was 16. Um, besides just picking it up here and there to see if I still remember, like, how to Anything. play Ode to Joy, yeah, and yeah. the guitar, which apparently every 10-year-old needs to learn. Um, but I've always, there's something kind of methodical about the piano that I, I've always been drawn to. That seems like, I mean, I guess the misconception or at least the preconceived notion about you and what you do is that you're a dweeb. Mm -hmm. So that piano, which also I, I'm taking piano lessons this year. Oh, that, cool. That is, that is a dweeb thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as a yeah. dweeb, I'm going to take <laughs> piano lessons and singing lessons. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. like the piano seems to me like it's, it's the musical version of math. Almost right, like it is. I yeah. love math. Yeah, I, like, I took accounting for fun. Like I it was, was just... I was a, a mathlete. I was a mathlete. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness! And boy, was that something. Oh that was man, exhilarating. Yeah, I love math. I, I just filled out an application for teaching jobs, and it it was for high school. And it said, "Is there any extracurricular activities that you would like to coach or lead?" And I put quiz bowl, quiz and that was bowl. the only thing I put. Yes. <laughs> It's quiz yes. bowl or nothing. Yes, we gotta start quiz bowl. I will coach that right now. I will get a teaching job at a school just to coach their quiz bowl team. Yeah, it was always fun. So, what do you listen to in the car? You don't listen to podcasts. You don't listen to music. No, I w I got spoiled when we bought our new car. I had Sirius for three months, so I listened to NPR, and that. I mean, that may as well be a podcast. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. No, yeah it's, it's, it's the, that is the podcast of news stations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to wear down Sirius to where, I, you know, they keep offering me lower prices. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm waiting till I get that sweet price and then I'm going <laughs> to get it again. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the middle of negotiations with Sirius? <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing them down. It's like you, you caught me right in the middle. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, that's still too so, much for me. Somewhere so right now, Sirius, they're sitting down at a table like, how are we going to lock down Zern Dog 87? <laughs> uh, I really hope that's your email address. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 87. Did, is that the year you were born? No, you made her, 88. You made her, oh, you made her older than she is. That was so close. I, I just gave a number. I didn't even think about it. And then I was like, this might be perfect. Um, all right. If you had to go into battle mm -hmm. and there's weaponry in front of you, mm -hmm. what are you picking? Like any weapon? Yep. It's your imagination. Hmm. Imagine that you have, I don't know, a ring on that can create literally anything of your willpower. I don't know. I've always, I, I tried learning how to use a bow and arrow when I was in high school. Um, they did have that weird yeah. little class in the gym on the second floor. Archery? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it was unusual. Like it felt unusual for our school. Yeah. Um and they they weren't real arrows. I can't remember how they stuck to the yeah. thing, but it was it was not you know, it was like when we had to learn fake bowling. Yeah. You know? oh, oh fake bowling God. was my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Well everyone uh, loved what it. A, what a what a giant waste of time class, that was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, literally the I mean PE, physical education, is like the <laughs> like the dumbest possible class I've ever heard of in my entire life. Like it's I mean I don't there's, think it's there's, about learning, though. No, no, it's not about learning. It's about being an asshole. There's, like, nothing that you do in PE that ever affects your life. It's like, uh, today in this class that you have to take to graduate, according to the state of Ohio, you're going to play kickball with all your friends. But yeah. I, think it's, I think it's important. I think it's incredibly important, especially in this day and age where everybody is more and more detached as time goes on from 
doing any of that. And without that, maybe they will never feel like they would be comfortable or like doing it. Mm. People yeah. aren't going outside and playing Foursquare like they used to. What's no, four they square? really aren't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just playing around it. I know what Foursquare is. Um, it's an app. So, yeah. I mean, even as <laughs> even as a dweeb, I think that uh, phys ed's important. What, if any, questions do you have for us? Well, I was curious about what made you decide to do something like this. I mean, okay, so your other podcast, that I totally understood that. Yeah. I'm going to let Josh lead this one because I, I think I took the last two. This is the most common question we get. No, no, no. I think she wants means, I think you should believe in this one because she means this podcast specifically. Yeah, this one specifically. Because okay. I think it's the way that I've always thought of this when people ask you, like, hey, how's it going? What do you do for work? That's that's the kind of thing that we've been taught that that's just the question that you ask. Like you don't really people don't really care when. Right. It's just, <laughs> where are you working nowadays? Like no one cares. Ask, how are you? It's, it's that's not a question. It's a greeting. Right. It's the formality that we ask. That's the thing that you always ask people. Oh. Um, but with this, you guys seem to actually care about why people are in yep. what they're in. Yeah. Um. So it's it's interesting and weird. I I want to answer you, but I want to hear his answer first. So well, I mean it's. The thing is, like this, this whole thing sprung from uh, an idea Joe had, where he wanted to do an educational show. Because we, we, you gotta think, the the two of us living in the same place, we got we had just gotten that kind of settled, nerds of the sound table settled, mm-hmm. and so here we are, and we're just it's like we have a world of possibilities up here. It's like we have our own studio and our own house now. Like we just we knew whatever we want, and it it quickly became this race to figure out what the next thing we we're gonna do was. And he wanted to do a show about um, educating people, like to prepare them for life. So it was like, you know, he wanted to show, like, do do an episode about, um, you know, doing your taxes, or do an episode about what it's actually like to buy a house, or doing an episode about what it's like to open a bank account. Because I we 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 know people our age who've never had a bank account. Oh wow! It's like how do how do you get through? Like how do you get paid? It's like oh, I just. I, my mom cashes my checks. I'm like, you are an adult. <laughs> like, we need to have a conversation. About, like, about like, does your mom do your taxes? Like, how, how do you do, right. how do you get your taxes? And done? then they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Like, yeah, she, my mom has my TurboTax password. It's all good. Like, like, oh my goodness, your mom is taking way too good a care of you. Like, we need, <laughs> let's talk. So, yeah, so Joe wanted to do a show about you know about these things and kind of educating people. I'm like, oh, that's 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 cool. That's a good idea. And I thought instead of that, let's focus more on the more important element of that and that's the human element like what what does it mean for these people who are in these situations who are like you know trying to work their way through this because you know my my thing to him was everybody thinks that they have the hardest job mm-hmm. right and no matter what no matter what anybody does you, you talk like how hard your job like, oh my job is so hard I, I got it bad I got it rough you know I, <laughs> I, have, to, I have to do this this and this like my job is hard and like and here's why it's hard and people tell you you know oh Joe's a car salesman he must have it easy that mm-hmm. sounds like an easy. Everybody needs a car. It must be an easy job. Make a whole bunch of money, not doing a whole lot of anything, right? <laughs> Are you professional athletes? You know, this, this, this guy plays baseball. Oh, all he has to do is play baseball all day. It must be a cool job. He must have to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like well, then you find out that oh, wait a minute, that dude's entire life is training for baseball, lifting weights for baseball, playing baseball, mm-hmm. or being on the road to go play baseball. It's like yeah, so that's all he does, but that's all he does, right? Right. So it's like. It's kind of we just wanted to to be able to break down those walls between people and what they do and how people see what they do. So the idea was kind of just let's 
talk to people about what they do and find out like because we have misconceptions about stuff all the time you know about what people's jobs are actually like or every once in a while before a show starts I'll tell Joe like before the guest gets here I'm like you know I think these kind of people are probably assholes like <laughs> you know artists are usually douchebags you know, you know what I mean it's just like I'll say something to Joe and he'll be like alright well you know like, I'll ask you like after the end we'll see how, how it went and I'm always just like man what a nice guy that guy was they're like oh this is like this is great like that guy wasn't a douchebag at all and he's like oh okay well does that like change your perspective I'm like oh no I think these that type of people still ask like, that, we, we met a cool one you know it's like he's a, like the one cool one it's like yeah it's like, it's like this is the one cool tattoo artist I've met my entire life the rest were assholes but I mean that's obviously not the case but it, it was just like you know I'll tell Joe like you know I have misconceptions or he has misgivings and we like to have those things like we had a graphic artist on mm-hmm. um, recently and he you know Joe's like I know nothing about your job so this is this has been something that Joe learned from today. Mm-hmm. So you got to sit down with somebody he didn't know anything about, and I think that's the cool part too. Is like you know, at worst, this is this shows an opportunity to learn, and at best, it's an opportunity for us to help a bunch of people learn. So, I don't know. That's what I, that's what I get out of it. Yeah, initially, like I mean, he. I'm just gonna kind of outline what he said. He's pretty much hit the nail on the head. But initially, I was just sitting there thinking. Pretty much comes a lot from seeing the people that I deal with every day on a day-to-day basis at my job and seeing how not structured their life is and I love educators and like I said the passion they have but the education system itself you know more than anybody is flawed without without bounds and Mm -hmm. people come in and they are talking about oh you know my mom messed up my credit because she put a bunch of stuff in my name and nobody taught me what that even meant and I got credit cards and I don't know what interest is and I've never had a bank account and I asked somebody about bankruptcy and they say no I don't trust banks and people don't understand what things are mm-hmm. and people say oh I gotta change the oil in a car um, how do you do that what does that like, mean when people ask me questions that I think number one sh- they should have been taught in their household mm-hmm. number two they should have but the second wave to catch those things is the education system mm-hmm. and the education system education system is horribly flawed so i'm like i sat down with with josh I'm like, i have an idea for a podcast because once i start getting into something i'm a fucking bulldozer yeah like i don't stop he dies in head first and i just have to kind of ride that wave yeah. <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> i have an idea for a podcast i want to teach people things we can have somebody come on talk about banking we have somebody come on talk about buying a house that way these people know what they're doing know what they're getting into they can learn how to finance a car they know mm-hmm. what they're doing before they go sign their name on a bunch of lines that might as well be in japanese mm-hmm. and that's when Josh replied to me the way he said and I'm like yeah let's do that let's talk about these careers people are ill prepared for careers people end up working in a place that they never love mm-hmm. I have people that will, that will come in to me and uh, two people will try to get a car together and one of them makes uh, fantastic money working in a factory the same factory that, that people look down on him for mm-hmm. and the other one has a degree and doesn't isn't able to get a job she's a, mm-hmm. you know, he or she's a barista because the other one's making all the money and oh, your, yeah. your degree got you nowhere, so this is you're like, well, this is it for me. I'm going to have to work at Starbucks forever. And they'll say, they'll say, I have two masters, and I'll say, okay, yeah, but you can't pay for this, right? Like, yeah, unfortunately, your master's degree is not something that you you can buy a car with. And no. despite their masters, they don't understand how financing a vehicle works. They don't understand how so many things work. They don't have a bank account. Like, oh, I have two masters, but. Um, yeah, he pays for stuff right now. So, can we have a car? 
Like, yeah, but also maybe we could teach people and we could have more quality individuals, especially like the city. I A lot of people come on here talk about how much potential the city has. Mm-hmm. And I just think that with a little bit of guidance, we'll, you can see a lot of the talent that is in the city go a lot farther. Oh, yeah. Um, so they, my, my only goal is to teach, to teach and to learn. Mm-hmm. I want to learn. I want to teach through this and have a fucking fun time. I mean, yeah. this is exciting. Like, I learn so much stuff. I meet so many people. Initially, it was just, oh, I've got some friends that do some things. We can talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when you have uh, record producers who are Grammy nominated and you have uh, the this guy who does all the designs for the Mudhens and the Walleye. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Alex, Alex Dart. Like, that dude, he's just like... Yeah, I just do. I just do graphics. He's one of three people who do all of the graphics for the Toledo Walleye and Mudhen organization. So it's just like that's a lot of work, and that's a lot, a lot of things that a lot of eyes see. And it's just oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the record producer talking to who who works with Steve Albini from Chicago. Yeah, works and, with Steve Albini. Yeah. And he just sits down here and talks about how much he loves our idea. That feels fantastic. Yeah. I think that it's unique enough that that it could have legs and I think that it has a purpose. It's not like like I love nerds and mm-hmm. I won't ever shit on it, but that's something different. That's more for me. Than yeah, that's it is. that's cathartic. That's that right. that's our therapy. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the reason to sit down with your four friends and have a conversation. That's something that everybody with a microphone and their friends is doing. You know, right. like this is something that only we could provide the world. That well, I mean, maybe not only us, but it was our idea, so uh, we beat everybody else to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ideally, like, it can be a, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It can be a, a TV show. But mm-hmm. the idea is that uh, Josh brought up a perfect point, and he said, anybody can come on the show. Anybody. I mean, you can come bring on, we, we have, not, that's a good point to talk about. We have anonymous episodes we were doing where can have people talk about things that they're not comfortable talking about like mm-hmm. uh we had a, a, a emergency room technician come on and talk about things that he can't just say i mean right. I, I would like to have you know survivors of diseases or, or rape and talk about those things and there's so many stigmas that surround so many things too there's a lot there's a lot of opportunity and education in these things in these episodes and i just i don't want to miss the opportunity to do it like, I am somebody that I know that if I don't get on something, it won't happen and a huge opportunity to be wasted. And if I'm looking at this like, man, this is really an opportunity to make people think, I want to do that. I want to open up people's minds. I want people, you, like I said, people don't read. People don't write. People can at least listen. Yeah. yeah. I can't write a bunch of books and expect everybody to, to read what I'm trying, the message I'm trying to get across. And that's where a lot of things get lost because I'm sure a lot of people do exactly this except writing it on paper mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to get people to say like tell people okay I want to teach you something so on your way to and from work why don't you hear about it yeah yeah I think it's it definitely helps I think it's definitely been a, a boon you know being a, an audio specific medium you know mm-hmm. cause people, people can just put us in their ears whenever right you know, they so don't you, have you, to sit down and put us over their favorite show all they have to do is do the dishes and instead of spending 10 minutes trying to figure out music they put on a podcast yeah you know or you're driving to and from work you know it's, right. it's you know you hate talk radio in the morning listen to us you know and learn learn something about about somebody else's life that you didn't that you never would have thought of before like something else about somebody's life that you never would have um cared about before and right it, and really like on a personal level it really shows how different everyone is mm-hmm. i mean you hear and how similar 
it, it same yeah it, it strikes similarities too you can hear people and that's why we try to ask the different questions at the end you'll hear people say things that you'd never in a million years would have imagined come out of them uh-huh. and when you ask a question you ask somebody a question like what would you ask your dog or what would you ask your child if you could ask it one question and they're like I just want to know that they're happy I just want to know that I'm a good father like that shows you who somebody is and I think you hear a lot about oh, this is a good idea a good way for people to platform and kind of show people who they are inside mm-hmm. you hear their passion you know who somebody is so many people are there's this thing that the world has where it's like oh if somebody is is following their dream then they're a fucking nerd and like that it drives so many people into being too scared to follow what they actually want to do and i think with the education here and um hearing other people who've actually done those things it'll make people a lot more confident into following what's right for them that's the goal that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) it sounds altruistic but really it's just we wanted to have something cool to do yeah (laughs) no i love it i love love no we do this is just as much for me as it is for anybody else right um what was this what you expected um yeah i I, like i told you i tried to listen to a couple before i i came on um but yeah it's that it's that same nerdiness like just wanting to learn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it drives everything we do, I think. So. Yeah, and it's it's really nice to know that there are other people out there. Like, I mean, obviously everyone in my program is like that because mm. we're all in an English program. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we just watched 21 Jump Street last night, and he's like, the first thing about being cool is don't care about anything. Yeah. And the second rule is make fun of anyone who cares about stuff. Yep. You know? Exactly. And it's just that's, like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's... It's depressing that, like, everyone is scared to admit that they like stuff. Yeah. That yeah. it's, like, not cool uh-huh. all of a sudden. Like, oh, I want to be a tattoo artist. Oh, you're going to doodle on people's arms? Good right. luck getting taken serious. <laughs> yeah, because like, no, matter, no matter what it is, it's like, I want to be a doctor. Oh, you want to poke and prod at people and charge them <laughs> extra money for dumb shit? Good job, loser. You're like, oh, my God, you can't do anything. You can't yeah. choose. You can't, yeah. you can't be anyone or, or everyone's just like, oh, look at this dweeb caring about stuff, wanting to do things. And that's the misconceptions. <laughs> the misconceptions about the jobs and the misconceptions about people. And, like, when you walked in here and you saw our previous guest with a mohawk, mm-hmm. you probably didn't think, like, oh, that dude's a fucking big deal. Like, that dude has done huge things musically and helps a lot of fucking people. Mm-hmm. He just looks like some dude with a mohawk. He's just a punk dude. Yeah, that was just somebody that was here before me. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, that dude's punk rock, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. But... I think that's about it. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, is there anything you want to plug? I know it's a little hard for you. This is more about education and less about you know a brand or anything. But is there anything that you think is important that you you want to be brought to people's attention? I think the most important thing that I've noticed teaching people, um, I think everyone has that fear that they can't write. And I think that stems from having to write like five paragraph essays and and following along with that. Um, So I encountered a lot of students that were too scared to ask for help or it was always saying, I can't write, not what can you teach me about writing or what can I do to learn how to write? Um, I think that a lot of people have that fear that, you know, they always say, I don't even know what I would say. Mm -hmm. So I think reach out to people that you know that are weirdos and like to write and like to read things because that's the only way that you're going to learn that you know it's normal people that do it it's not like mm-hmm. someone has a writer gift it's it's normal people that write shit down and 
work at it for a really long time. And people are so afraid to, to, to talk about it. You, you, yeah. People can talk about politics. People can talk about race issues. People can talk about all the stuff. But people will be so afraid to show themselves on social media, and that's where everyone lives. And it's easy to forget that there are passionate people out there, and there are people who... Oh, yeah. put their neck the, out. The people who are chasing yeah. their dreams though, aren't the people sitting on social media. So yeah, exactly. you don't right. see it. Exactly. Yeah. So so that it gives a really skewed vision of the world when really there's so many people out here working so hard. That's why everybody's got that big old like that big cloud of negativity over all the time cuz you're sitting around in an echo chamber full of negativity so all that's all you see is like it's like someone dropped a negative comment into a rubber into like a rubber room and it's just bouncing around forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's a, it's a chamber full of everyone in the world like just like spewing all their shitty thoughts when the people who are making a difference aren't there. So you don't hear those voices because those right. people are out doing important <laughs> shit. Yeah, and it breeds internet trolls. And, yeah, absolutely. And that is it's a huge. A lack of confidence in those people and anything that they believe in just to live that way. Um, but that's not the only people that are in the world. Well, and that's, and that's, uh, back to uh, Aaron's point, though, like, I think I try to tell people all the time, like, who have talked to me, like, you know, when I tell people, like, you know, that I, I like to write or that, that you're a writer, like, oh, like, what do you write about? I'm like, anything. That's you what know? I said, too. When people say, like, what do you write about? Like, well, how, like, well, how do you, like, how? I'm like, 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 like don't worry about grammar and shit I'm like all that shit comes later I'm like learning all that stuff is like, like, like that's the hard part of this language of, of, of writing yeah. I'm like that's the hard part and shit, don't worry about any of that that's why like, editors exist maybe yeah. you're not an editor maybe you are just creative yeah I always say yeah. like, like, I'm like there's somebody who knows sentence structure way better than me that I'll give this to and they'll give it back to me like, like an adult wrote it <laughs> I'm that person <laughs> right yeah exactly it's like you know, I hand this thing to you and you, you make it into an adult right like, an adult wrote it so it's like yeah. you know, yeah. Honestly, ev- even me, like I am, I'm, I'm pretty good at at writing well, uh, as far as like grammar goes. But even I look over that shit like oh, fuck. I got, I, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I, don't I don't have an editor that I feel like it, like I an editor that I feel like knows a shit ton more than me. I I yeah. need to feel that um, kind of comfort. I I am about to graduate with my master's and I still have to use a search for all of my commas because I put too many commas into stuff. Mm. I still no, don't know where the my, fuck I they love, go. I love commas. That's my worst thing. Right. I get comma happy. Yeah, everyone and does. And semicolons scare me. Because, oh, no, I love semicolons. No, yeah. so do I. I, I love, love them. them. I love them and I try to put them in and then I, and and then I get a little nervous. I'm like, does this really go here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. But that's because we have been trained to fear the red marks on the paper mm-hmm. and Really, though, when you're looking at something, unless it's like a resume or, or you know, your cover letter, the, the grammar stuff, almost every professor that I've ever had will, you know, I can get past your grammar issues as long as it doesn't impede the, what the message is trying yeah, to say. Point, if it doesn't change it. the meaning of the sentence, I know what you're trying to say and I can read past the grammar mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was horrible with it's, like how it can't take possession with the apostrophe. Yeah. That's something that I learned while writing, uh, and I remember like going back forward, like, oh, fuck, like it's it's actually change all these it's unless it's a because it's, you, because you turn the possession into a, into the fucking uh, conjunction, conjunction? Yeah, 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 conjunction, conjunction. conjunction. Oh, conjunction. I said that when I was teaching, and none of my students knew what it was. Yeah, I'm like son of a bitch. Welcome <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. No, I had to play that then because I like you guys have to know this is important. But you found it on YouTube, <laughs> though, right? Stuff, yeah, you're like, yeah, let me put it. Up. I'll find it on YouTube. You guys. Got I know about conjunction junction. And just you gotta find out its function. Bill, <laughs> bill, the bill on Capitol Hill. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, all those things. I, I had like a 
disc set. My mom bought me of those. <laughs> I don't know where it's at. Well, um, that about wraps it up then. As uh, for yeah. the podcast, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Set Your Expectations. You can find us on Twitter at SYECast. Uh, share your little love with us. Personally, you can find me at Joe of the Sound on both. Josh, where can we find you? You can find me at Joshua G. Justice all over the internet. Um, and I know you've already found us, but if you haven't subscribed yet, you can do that. And most importantly, if you have subscribed, leave a review. Yes. Uh, we love it. We want to hear from you. I, I want to hear what you honestly think. No, we don't. I want five stars. I don't want to hear what you, think, what you have to say. I want this, that sweet five-star review, and no one's ever going to read what you say, especially not me or Joe. So I will definitely just give read us the five stars and just leave it, leave it alone. Just drop, drop that in there or drop it in the DMs. Uh, and if you're interested and you learn something, I want to know that. Most importantly, if you find that you have something that you want to open people's eyes to, reach out. We'll see if we can put it together. Yeah, as always, you can email us at setyourexpectations at gmail.com or yeah. you can slide into the DMs slide on social media. smoothly into those DMs. We'll take care of you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, Aaron, it's been wonderful. Thank you for yeah, coming. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, no Hell problem. Yeah. All right, it's been great. <laughs>